Oh my gosh. I feel like this is going to be fun and maybe go off the rails. <laughs> and if you, if you need to move your chair, just move it. Oh, we've shoot. gotten, we've gotten used to that sound in this podcast. Like people, people come to expect what it. What is that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Here we go. It's like a new game. Like we're find Waldo. It's like find the moving chair. <laughs> or that makes more sense now that the uh, different radio stations have a secret sound. Okay. That's right. Because that was super like, like radio-y. Radio-y. That was good. That was good. I've heard that. So are we going to pray ahead of you time? Should, yes. Smoke you, should, you should give us like a traffic update. Uh, <laughs> I'm not that quick on my feet. Traffic. Are you that quick on your seat? Everybody's in there making noise, making little spiky, wavy things. So I we, got, we, we all have a pulse. It's we, good. we all have a pulse. Yeah, we're all alive. It's like the spike. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Nikki. Hello, James. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm doing good, too. Uh, I'm really excited. Are you excited? I'm excited. I feel yeah. like you've been pretty excited today, in general. I, I came prepared to have a good time that's good that's yeah. good i mean you know why not i was hesitant at first not because of the today mm. or because mm. of our, <laughs> just, I, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed so oh, to speak okay. so i was kind of like i had to have that shift so about a, a 40 minute drive for me so i'm like you know that became my all right we're turning this ship around mm-hmm. that's cool a good day that's good that's good um i feel like we can definitely bring that into our conversation today it is the second week of advent or at least this uh episode will be airing the second week of Advent. Um, And once again, we're coming to you with some Advent episodes in the hopes that uh, we can talk about Advent, we can talk about um, this uh, sort of forthcoming of Christ uh, in the Advent season, and uh, maybe talk about some ways to encounter him and how we can uh, hopefully foster that encounter throughout this really cool season that is Advent, which is, I think, a really overlooked season. We talked about that a little bit with Father Carl, um, how this season doesn't really get the, the due that it deserves, and it can be a really productive thing in people's lives if we kind of give it the time. Um, we have another guest today, which is super cool. We got a guest. You might have heard her uh, in the background. Um, Ooh, I don't know. Maybe. Our guest is Esther Caswell, um, who is. Uh, I'm. I'm just gonna put it like she's just a phenomenal person. Like she's just a person oh, wow. that that I That's find good. like I I. I get a lot of joy when we get to do things together in ministry. We haven't done, gotten to do that a lot. Um, but when we have, there's like, I'm like, oh, the, this is what joy feels like. Okay, I should, I should, I should make notes. So That's thank beautiful. you for being here and thank you for, um, for sharing that joy. I, if, you, uh, if you don't mind just kind of telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and, um, you know. Sure. Say, um, say hello. I always feel whenever anyone asks me to tell about myself, it's like, this could go a lot of different ways. Um, <laughs> I think I think we're gonna stick with a uh, human. I'm a really great human. Okay. No, no. Um, so I am somebody who belongs completely to Jesus, and uh, I fell in love with him on the cross. Fatal attraction. I know where that goes. Um, 
<laughs> I have not yet found uh, any replacement that's going to fill this deep longing and uh, love. I think the most authentic relationship I have is with Christ. And it is a relationship that was won through suffering, through fighting, through prayer, and it continues. And it's something that cannot be left aside. Um, and I, I also hope and pray that my life can be a witness of living a covenant of trust with God. Mm. Um, I have curly hair. I don't know <laughs> what else. Like, just keep it really kind of simple. No. Um, <laughs> I'm from Canada. That's noteworthy. That is noteworthy. Yeah. And our first Canadian guest. Our first, yeah. Well, there We're you go. Officially international. That's so great. <laughs> um, I yes, that's that's a good place to start, I guess. Okay, very cool. And and you're a uh, a Dominican. So I am someone consecrated to Jesus Christ. Okay. I was a Dominican sister for 12 years. Awesome. In the year of mercy, uh, God called me to walk a path of really uh, kind of will you be at the cross uh, with mm. me and minister to people at the cross. So my call is to stand at the foot of the cross and to help people who find themselves there to see Jesus by looking up. That's beautiful. That is just the coolest thing. I'm so excited for our listeners just to kind of uh, I think maybe some of them for the first time. Uh, and, and, and once again, we, we really try to have a conversation that anyone can participate in. We try to have a conversation where, um, we invite people in and maybe people who are experiencing, uh, Christ for the first time, encountering Christ for the first time, maybe in this podcast, but maybe in their lives, they're, they're realizing that, okay, there's something to this Jesus guy and, and mm-hmm. I want to get to know him a little bit. I think for a lot of our listeners, that's going to be huge that, you can stand at the foot of the cross. And in fact, you're invited to stand at the foot of the cross and to look up and to, and to receive that grace that Christ offers on the cross, um, to receive the, the salvation, the mercy, the love that Christ offers on the cross. And it's specifically for you. Like you, you, you talk about that being in that place, um, as if it's, as if it's yours. And that's a really beautiful thing to, to hear. So, um, so it's interesting because I think that you know, whenever there's any big uh, national disaster or, okay, maybe not right now, but like in the past, when there was national disaster, like there's big disasters, right. we kind of found the unity through the common shared suffering. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. I was like a pursuer, a romancer, you know, like, and I wanted to romance every human being ever, that means I would have to find mm. the thing that all of them share. And what is the thing that really truly unites us? It's not our income. It's mm-hmm. not the color of our skin. It's not uh, maybe the family that we've had. But one thing that unites every single human person wow. is suffering. So Jesus is so incredible because he wants to win each person's heart. And we're in a time where we talk a lot about diversity and inclusion and kind of making sure everyone has the ability to receive something at an equal place. There is no place where that is the most true than at the cross. And a big turning point in my own life was realizing, you know, at the cross, there's not like a priest section, a Dominican or like nun section, 
uh, deacons and deacons' wife session. You know, like when you go to like you, you go to a, a you do you know if you go to like a big ordination, right? Yeah. So, so just think about there's a space, right? For... Right. So they got you have like the seats uh-huh. saved, right? And uh-huh. where do the lay people go? In the back. In, In the, the back. back. Okay. Yeah. But at the cross, we all have a place at the cross, mm. and it is a fallacy to feel like there's somebody who is more <laughs> kind of like more has worthy. permission to get uh-huh. closer to Christ at the cross. Mm-hmm. And if in our own lives, right, in our own lives, the invitation is waiting. So some people can say, well, I don't have as much suffering as that person. Like they went through so much, so I can't even compare sufferings. I always step in right away and say that is, it is not right to compare suffering. Um, yeah. it's, it's interesting because suffering is a subjective and objective experience. So we have our own you know, think about any relationship, married life, um, what you're going through, what you're trying to convey to this other person mm-hmm. that you love what you're going through, but it's so subjective, right? Mm-hmm. But it's amazing because, you know, when you read in scripture, we, what we have suffered and then received hope, we can bring that same hope to people who have suffered the same thing. So, um, most of the work of our salvation is allowing Jesus Christ to actually be present in our sufferings. I don't think anyone needs to seek for suffering, right? There's nobody right, who's yeah, like, okay, right, well, certainly. let's go make some suffering because I just don't feel like I have enough suffering. Uh, I think we're all set. Thank yeah. you. So what it is, is a journey to realizing that in those darkest places, that is the place of intimacy. That's where we find him. Yes. And it's funny because we have this thing in us like, I guess what I'm saying, there's this kind of mentality sometimes of like being strong and like, oh, I'm fine. Everything's great. You know, like I, I didn't, you know, maybe you have an uncle, cousin, or maybe yourself, you went through Vietnam or you went through something and you can have a cavalier way mm-hmm. of speaking mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. And I realized this and I kind of put it in all saying, but unless you have suffered what you've suffered, you cannot love what you love. Mm-hmm. And okay, wait, say that again. Unless, unless you have <laughs> suffered what you have suffered, you okay. cannot love what you love. It's funny because we see this right now coming up in a lot of different, like even secular books. Like for instance, Brene Brown, mm-hmm. she talks a lot about it. There's like vulnerability is the kind of big catchword mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is that vulnerability? Vulnerability means wound. Mm-hmm. It's a wound. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's kind of a mentality like, I'm not wounded and let's just keep going forward. But it's funny because if you lie to yourself about what you've suffered and you pretend you don't suffer it, don't worry, it's going to come out. Like sure. it's coming sure. out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, Whether yeah. it's like, it's going to show up somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how that uh, connects with Evan, but I think it, it does a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I do know, but I'm going to give a little breathing room here. <laughs> well, we, so, so uh, I think, I think a lot of our, um, a lot of that shared human experience that you talk about, that shared experience of suffering is, uh, you know, we, we, we spend a lot of time trying to hide from whatever it is that we need to work on, whatever it is that we, that we're going through, whatever that wound is, right. Mm-hmm. We spend a lot of time, um, you know, it's kind of like the, what's the, 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 the night guy in Monty Python. who's like, it's just a flesh wound and like his legs are cut yes, off. Right. Like, exactly. like it's that, it's that kind of thing where, where we have something that's really, um, uh, you know, maybe, maybe day to day or moment to moment, like we like to talk about, it's something that's, that's just, dis- it's just distracting us from God. Right. But then when we, when you start to put those small moments together, like we talked about last week, 
there can be those small moments of real mediated encounter with God, but there can also be these these moments where we are we are consistently over and over again saying no yeah. to an encounter with God, and it's and it's out of that it's out of that place of pain, that place of woundedness, where we're you know we're not really willing to to accept what God has for us. I've certainly been there, and I and I think that I think part of the human experience is going back and forth between you know, saying yes, God, and then saying no, God, right? right. And, and, and right. so, so um, it, it certainly does relate to Advent because Advent is this time where, you know, we are specifically setting aside, not just as a, um, you know, not just as a church, not just as, uh, as like a, you know, sort of this liturgical entity, right? right? But in our, our hearts, in our collective hearts, we're supposed to be setting aside this time of, of really seeking, of really mm-hmm. like like looking for God in sort of the minutia of life, um, looking for God in these in these these joyful moments, like we we talked about, um, you know, seeing seeing God as a little baby, seeing mm-hmm. God as a little adorable baby to just love on, right? Or 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 seeing God in these wonderful family experiences we have during the holidays, during Christmas, that kind of thing. Um, we get so distracted from that stuff. I think because we we stumble over the stuff that we don't take care of. Right. We we, we stumble over the, um, you know, if, if it is a wound from a long time ago, if it's a wound from from right now, like yeah. if your if your holiday prep is stressful and right. your family is like on your last nerve, um, your your family then becomes an obstacle, mm-hmm. you know, to to really fostering that relationship with with God, and um, that can be a tough thing. That can be a tough thing to even just admit to yourself. Right. You know, um, let alone actually find the time uh, and the self-compassion to like really work on, mm-hmm. right? Like just admitting that can be tough. Yeah. To, to, to bring it to the cross. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I always feel like there is um, sometimes a mindset of um, like, oh, you guys, there you go again, talking about all that, that human looking at your wound stuff, you know, mm-hmm. just be faithful and show up. You know, it's kind of like this... Um, but it's, it, I feel like there's a part of that's really kind of beautiful. And I had this very um, kind of a difficult and unique experience of receiving the stories of uh, like older men who had been sexually abused mm-hmm. in um, the Boy Scouts. I was receiving their stories for the first time. And why do I bring this up? I bring this up specifically for this one point. Mm-hmm. There was a 70-year-old man, Vietnam vet, you know, just faithful, like tried and true kind of men and he's telling his story to me for the very first time he's never told anyone in his life wow and he's realizing as he's telling this story how much it affected everything in his life how it had taken away something from his life and as he's sharing it with me he says to me like now i can start to heal Mm. Wow. and then i asked him one of the questions was you know have you gone to counseling? That's a question that I was supposed to ask. And he said, if I would have gone to counseling, my dad would have taken me back to the shed and he would have beat me because he's like, it's okay uh, to have like, it's okay to not, you know, like to bite a bullet or like to drink or to be on yeah. drugs just to get through. But like, do not go to counseling. Like, what is that? You big mm-hmm. sissy, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that there is, I, I really feel in my heart today for some reason, like men on my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mean like men, oh, like, yeah, like men who are so sensitive in their heart. I'm talking about like men who right now are actually afraid, but they don't want to admit to anyone mm-hmm. they're afraid mm-hmm. because they want to be um, providers and responsible for their family. And they are looking at what is going on in the world 
and they recognize that they are not in control mm -hmm. and they do not know what to do because they always knew at least one thing to do. Mm -hmm. And now it's, it's, it's even hard to find the truth of the story, so mm -hmm. to speak. And so these very men, I feel like in my heart, a fire burning for today. Um, and when I hear this seven-year-old man, he was like tough. Like this guy mm -hmm. was tough. Like he was, you know, like he was in battle. He would, he would, he wouldn't face death, right? But he could not face this part of his heart where it had been wounded when he was so young. Mm -hmm. And when that day, when he shared that story with me, it was for him. He said it himself. Like now I can, I give this to you. You know, mm -hmm. he's kind of like, I give this to you. Now I can begin to heal. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so what did I do with it? I gave it to Jesus because mm -hmm. I'm not the savior. But that is an example to me of like, just to come against that, um, you know, writing things off. Like, uh, you know, I don't have time to fall apart. I think some people say like, I can't think about what happened to me when I was a kid. Like if I go back there, it's going to be so messy and I'm going to bring everyone down around me. I, I can't, I can't let myself touch quote unquote, this suffering or this sure. thing. Sure. Sure. And I would like to bring this in at kind of an advent setting. I want you to think about that thing, whatever it is. And that is the straw that Jesus comes down on. That's the straw of your cradle this Christmas. Hmm. Wow. And, and Jesus touches that. Mm -hmm. That's what he wants to touch. Mm -hmm. He's like, you're trying to bring in your like good works. You know, there's these little traditions where, which are beautiful. Like what good things did I do today? And I can put the straw in the cradle, mm -hmm. bring the ugliest parts of you, mm -hmm. bring the most painful parts of you and make your, your cradle with that. Cause mm -hmm. that's exactly where Jesus wants to come. Yeah. We, we talked about that in a previous episode of, of uh, especially at mass, when we, when we go into the sacraments, um, any, any time that we are, um, uh, anytime that we're intentionally like uh, uh, approaching God in prayer, um, if we're if we're going to go through not just those motions, but but the the uh, the what's what's necessary emotionally and mm -hmm. psychologically to really reach out and and communicate with God and receive from God, why not dig a little deeper into? You know, like we all have that stuff, right? We're all carrying around that stuff. Why not dig so a little I deeper? I don't have that stuff. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I am fine. <laughs> yes, but other people do. You're right. Um, but but seriously, like like why not dig a little deeper and put that stuff on the altar? Like put that stuff at the at the foot of the cross. So it always um, seems like there's time and, to and, do it later. And and exactly. And and again, give like give God a real a real chance to to kind of work in your lives. We we um we, you know we've we've. We've talked a little bit about this. Um, Advent is uh, is a time that is is overlooked, and I and I think uh, now as you're talking, I'm seeing kind of a, a relationship between overlooking this preparation mm. from God <laughs> and maybe overlooking like just taking care of yourself, right? And, and overlooking yeah. working on those things uh, that you need to 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 work on in order to to be healed, in order to be um, your best self, right? Right, and uh, I think. Um, it's, it's not even like just self-compassion. It's, it's like so much, we don't heal ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And I guess my, um, I think there's a lot of people who got baptized, who go to church, who are living their life, trying to be faithful, but they have not yet met Jesus. And I, 
really feel like this is a time where the faith is, and when I say the faith, what is the faith? It's a person. Mm -hmm. And I would make an invitation, especially to you men, really and truly, like you don't have to tell anybody about this. You don't even have to tell people that you're being vulnerable. You could just do it with Jesus. I want you to question that part of you that needs the savior, mm -hmm. right? Because that's what Advent is. It's being so in touch with our deepest need for a savior. Like, man, everything I've ever tried isn't enough to save me, to save my family, to save the people around me. So what if, what if Jesus is your savior? And so in this time where there is a lot of confusion right now, and we make a lot of false saviors, right? There's, mm -hmm. we make false saviors and then they disappoint us and then we get bitter and then we close our hearts and then we stop. But my challenge is like this advent, what would it be if you let Jesus be the savior? And what does that look like? If you think, you know, your, your projection is like, I'm a strong man taking care of my family. Or I'm a strong woman taking care of this. What does that look like for you? It looks like maybe you're just by yourself. Maybe you're in the bathroom, who knows? Like some quiet space was just you and God. And you let that part of your heart that needs the savior be exposed to him. And you don't have to tell anybody. And I think that this is the invitation that Jesus is giving in a time where our church is, you know, our church is being uh, purified. It's being shaken. Our faith is being shaken. We're, you know, we're seeing these reports of, of corruption and deep-seated corruption and covered up, which is the worst, is like when you feel like the truth is covered up, there's nothing more that, that, that beats down the spirit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you just want to just walk away and say, like, forget this. So so what what is then our response? We can get all into the politics and we can mm -hmm. read all the articles and we can listen to that person. But what if, what if in this moment you went under the stars? Just like any person, you know, like the Jewish people mm -hmm. when Jesus in like, and you 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 said the words that were in Isaiah last, like, please rend mm -hmm. the heavens mm -hmm. and come down. Mm -hmm. Rend mm -hmm. the heavens and come down. That 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 in anticipation of the Old Testament, it's it it sounds violent. Mm -hmm. Like we it sounds it. it sounds really really um, sort of sort of devastating. Like right. God is going to come in and 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 make uh, these like drastic sweeping changes that really kind of sound like you know He's going to turn us all into pillars of salt or something, <laughs> right? right? But at the at the end of those um, at the end of those readings, what kind of what's what strikes me every time is that there's there's always hope. There's mm -hmm. always this this mm -hmm. idea that um, that Jesus is or God is not necessarily pointing towards our destruction. He's kind of pointing towards, look, we we go through this we, we go through this tough time together. We suffer in this together, and I'm telling you that on the other side of this, there's going to be not just something great, but there's going to be heaven. Right. And heaven is what you're you're made for, right? Like this is going to be the thing that makes you happy. This is going to be the thing that makes you complete. This is going to be the thing like that that 70 year old man that you're talking mm -hmm. about. This is going to be the thing that gives some meaning to your you. to your suffering, right? It, it 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 you go, "Oh, that's 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 why God brought me through this," right? Mm -hmm. Is to is to experience him. And and when we don't um, I, I think you're, you're very right. When we don't give ourselves that chance to be vulnerable, even if it is, you know, locking yourself in your bathroom and just and giving God five minutes, giving God just, you know, just a little bit of time to work in your heart, to work in your mind. When we don't do that, it's it's um, if, if if we're falling back on the same, uh, it's you know, what did what did Einstein say? Like like 
going through the same motions and expecting different results every time, that's the definition of insanity. And, and we've, we've come to a place, I think, in our, in our collective um, relationship with one another, our collective relationship with God, where we just expect uh, you know, to, to, to not have to work, to not have to change, to not have to move really in any direction, and, and that the world is going to conform to us. Mm-hmm. And all that's, all that's done, whether it's, it's our own little world and our mm-hmm. families or in our hearts or whether it's the world at large, all that's done is make more of a mess. Right. Right. Um, Nikki, you and I were talking about um, something before we, we actually, we, we got some lunch. Whataburger can sponsor us if they want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we were talking about something before, this idea of, of really looking into the eyes of Christ and, and making, making this this connection on a real human level with Jesus and, and kind of seeing him face to face. And I, I know I said I would wait to see if this came up organically, but I just can't, I can't help myself. Like, I, I feel like, I feel like that's exactly what we're talking about here is, it is. is, is really making this, um, this unique human connection with Jesus where he's looking into our soul and we're looking into his. Um, and that's just such a, that's such a, a foreign concept, I think for a lot of us, but it's something that I think, um, we ought to be trying to do every day yeah it's definitely a place of vulnerability i was sharing with you the um that hillsong united song prince of peace when he talks they they talk about um i'm staring in the fire my eyes met yours and it just always brings me um i'm gonna say to tears but it's a place of vulnerability because i feel like you know when i'm standing in the fire looking in the fire it's because i'm at a place of of grant me mercy, you know, and I, and knowing that, um, he's there to share a gaze with me mm-hmm. is, um, oof. I feel like for me, it's a tangible, this is what vulnerability is for me. It is exposing my soul and my hurt to him and allowing him to look at me. Amen. I am so excited that both of you guys brought this up because this is, um, this is the most important, uh, this aspect, the gaze of, of Jesus Christ is, I just spoke about this yesterday. Uh, I was speaking about this with somebody and I have quoted this already, but there's a movie called full of grace and it's about the life of Mary after Jesus ascends Mm. and in, and you know, the apostles are arguing it's a time of darkness. It's really a difficult time in the church. They're trying to understand what their mission is. And they're tempted to think that it was all a dream, you know, mm-hmm. all of those things. Mm-hmm. And Mary gathers the apostles right before the end of her life. And she says this line, she says, you know, in the darkest of times, you know, go back to the time when he first laid eyes on you. Hmm. And I have been struggling in my own heart with that question of, I've been reading uh, Revelation where in the letter to the churches and he said, I hold this against you. You have you know, lost your first love, the passionate love. And I've been kind of speaking with the Lord about what does it mean to return to my first love? Uh, and what does that look like? What does that look like? And what keeps coming back to me is that line, is the line when he first laid eyes on me. And I also believe that there are people who have never allowed themselves to be seen by Christ. 
And I, once again, and, and I say this for men and women, but I, I don't know why God is really putting men on my heart today. Um, it's, it's a mystery. The heart of a man is such a mystery in a way. Um, because there, there's, there's a nobility and a goodness. And, and I really feel like God's heart is so broken because there's so many men who think they have to do it alone without mm -hmm. his help. Mm -hmm. And I look at Peter and he was so like a mess. I mean, he was so, so manly, but so not like, oh, let's go and have a little counseling session and I can just look <laughs> in your eyes and you can look in my eyes and we'll be healed. You know, it wasn't like that. Yeah, he wasn't that guy. <laughs> no, like, but, but what did, how did Jesus meet him? Like he met him exactly where he was, you mm -hmm. know, on the fishing boat. So in this movie, he keeps going back to that moment when he, he was pulling up the fish and it was just unbelievable. Like uh, this man told him to put it on the other side. And he's like, Hey, heck sure. Why not? I'll do it. And, and he, he just is overwhelmed in that overwhelmness of wow. And then he sees Christ. And then I think of after when he had already denied Jesus, I think a lot about this. He denied Jesus three times. And I think about the encounters he had with Jesus after Jesus returned and him kind of wanting to avert his eyes, like, because mm -hmm. I know what I received, I know who you were, and I and I failed, like I totally messed up. And Jesus is very gentle in his approach, mm -hmm. like he doesn't meet him right away, he kind of comes in for the hole, he comes in for the hole here, mm -hmm. but it's like near the end, he he makes a little fire, he's mm -hmm. like, I know how to reach Peter, <laughs> fish, <laughs> grab a little fish together. Uh -huh. And also the fire is really important because Peter couldn't directly look at him in that moment. He needed to have this mediation of fire. Sure. And the mediation of fire allowed him to, his spirit to, to rest a, a moment so that he could have the kind of sideways conversation with Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh. Because we need to talk about this painful thing and I can't look at you right now. Mm -hmm. But in that conversation, I imagine Jesus and, and Peter, their gaze in this kind of like, do you love me, Jesus? Do you love me? And then that moment, because what is Jesus doing right there? What is he doing? He's stripping away his shame. Mm -hmm. He's stripping away the shame of Peter. And you can see that in the woman at the well. We can see it. He's this gentle approach. Let's, we're looking at this painful thing that the, either a voice in your head or the enemy is lying to you that this is the barrier of our encounter. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to use this middle thing, this mediation of fire. We're going to gaze on the fire together. And in this question, I just had this image of Peter then looking that last moment like, Lord, you know mm -hmm. that I love you. Mm -hmm. And the healing of his shame. So I just feel like there's, there are people, you know, and you can have like, these like, well, if I went into church, I would be like hit by lightning. So, <laughs> you know, like, well, that you go pray for me. Like I, God's not really for me. I just hope that at some point in my life, you know, he'll just kind of have mercy. And I just want to say like BS, like I, I just want to like cut <laughs> totally, it because like, totally I'm just saying like, there's no person that's too tough to like fight with God, mm -hmm. to meet him, to address things. Mm -hmm. And for any man out there today who's feeling depressed, who's feeling shame, who's feeling like there's a burden that he, that he, um, that he cannot take off himself. My prayer is that you allow Jesus to look into your eyes because there's nothing more that he wants than to take that cross on his shoulders. 
And it's not weakness to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's what it means to receive the Savior. So, so I, I have, uh, as you say that, um, my, my, w- one of my favorite scenes in the movie, the, the, the Passion of the Christ, is the scene with Simon of Cyrene. And they portray Simon as this, um, he's, a, he's kind of a tough guy. He's only in uh, the movie for that, that small scene where he carries Jesus's cross, right? Um, but he's, uh, the, these Roman soldiers are, are essentially, they're, you know, they're, they're beating Jesus, right? They were there to torture Jesus. That's what they're doing. And Jesus is carrying the cross. He's very bloody and beaten up. And it's just this horrible scene. And uh, Simon is essentially a guy who like, he, he, he looks at this scene and, and he realizes how unjust it is, right? Like even taking away that Jesus is Jesus, it's just an unjust thing to crucify someone that's terrible. Right. And so he kind of sees this and he, um, he kind of steps in and, and gets into it a little bit with these Roman soldiers. And then they kind of press him and they're like, okay, well, if you're going to complain, then we're going to, we're going to make you, you know, uh, help this guy, right. Help this guy carry his cross up this mountain. And there's this, you know, you, you talk about, uh, you know, for, for you, you talk about men maybe needing some inspiration to to be vulnerable. Um, if there's anyone that can inspire you, it's it's Christ. And I think they do such a, a a brilliant job of this because Jesus looks into Simon's eyes with like total vulnerability. Jesus is the unique Son of God. He's the most powerful force in the universe. He could he could he could call his angels down to like like just wipe out all of humanity at any time. Right. And, and instead he looks into Simon's eyes and he's like, he's like, thank you. Like without this, I, I, I won't be able to get my job done. Right. And so for someone with that much power and that much, um, you know, that much clout in, in just who he is, right. Just, just Mm -hmm. being who he is, uh, to, to humble himself, to go before a complete stranger, to make eye contact, to be vulnerable and to allow that person to help him is, that to me is such an example of, of, of what God wants for us. Right. And, and not just, um, you know, not just when we're not just when things are going great. Right. I, I think sometimes we expect that, yeah. that, um, Advent or Christmas or, or maybe, you know, any other Easter, whatever is going to be this time of, of just pure joy. And the reality is like most of us don't, experience pure joy all the time. Like, like we just, we just don't live our lives that way. Right. Right. Like life is hard. And so, um, to, to be able to, to, to look at those moments, you know, maybe to look at your Advent journey, if you're looking at it, like, it's like, you know, going up a mountain, right. Like like kind of the, the Eastern view of religion, like going up a mountain and, and kind of receiving God at the top of this mountain. Maybe your mountain is actually like the stuff you've already been through. Mm. Maybe it's the stuff that you really like need to work on in, you know, internally, maybe it's the stuff that, that God has been calling you to calling you to look at for years. You know, maybe he's, maybe you're Peter on the other side of that fire. And he's been like, Peter, do you love me? Not just three times, but three million times, mm-hmm. right? Just you for years and years and years. And that mountain is, is just, you know, turning a little bit, um, a little bit each day or a little bit each moment, uh, you know, closer to the gaze of Jesus. Can you, can you, can you really work, um, in, in internally work in your mind to, to find, uh, some common ground with Christ where you, you do kind of begin to share that, that, um, that, that gaze and you do accept that help, right? Mm-hmm. Just like Jesus did, just like Jesus did with Simon of Cyrene, that you accept that help of that, mm-hmm. that God is going to give you of, of not only carrying your cross, but like rising, 
mm-hmm. rising through that that suffering, rising through that those moments of real um, of real of real pain. I really feel like Mary is a good person to bring in here as well, and because you know, kind of, it's interesting because I really do feel like this Advent is the the crib and the cross close together, and so we've been talking about the cross mm-hmm. a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, um, I really. I really think that God is so good that he he's, He comes to us any way he can. And I am, I mean, if you have the answer to this question, but I'm, I'm like, how do you win the heart of a man who feels like he has to do it all? You know, like how do you, if I was, and it's that vulnerability of Jesus, but I also think there's the nobility of women, like mm. this, uh, a woman who also allows to herself to be received, to be helped, um, can bring out something really beautiful. And and I think about Mary also, there's a part of her tenderness, her her touch, her gentleness, that is really a big part of the season. Um, we, we kind of still have a pretty universal code that like any kind of violence toward a woman that's pregnant would be very wrong, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> globally. And, and Mary's like this vulnerable, pregnant woman who's taking a journey right now. Mm-hmm. She's taking a journey to the crib, which is the cross, you know? And this is her time. And, and maybe it's she that looks at you along the way. Mm. Maybe she asks you for a place mm. um, in your in your house. And if you don't have a place there, you know, you're stable. Maybe she just asked you to kind of lighten the load for her mm. because it's kind of a rocky path. Mm-hmm. And it's her eyes like that look with so much gratitude. Like, mm-hmm. thank you, thank you for noticing me mm-hmm. because I'm holding somebody so precious and you don't even know. Mm-hmm. And it, it's funny because you were saying how like the Old Testament language is so violent. It's like, rend the heavens. And, and I love it that Jesus' response is like, okay, here's a baby, you know? <laughs> um, and, and we see this, like this kind of paradox all the way through the gospels, um, of people wanting Jesus to be like the superhero, you know, yeah. and he is the superhero, but his superpower is vulnerability. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. is so crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His superpower is, is saying, you know, you don't take my life from me. I lay it down. Mm-hmm. And so perhaps it's, first Mary's gaze you need mm-hmm. to see. And I, I think that's also in the passion of the Christ. I'm not sure. It's like after Peter denies Jesus, he first had to know he was okay with Mary mm-hmm. before he could even, um, kind of encounter Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's this, there's a, there's a scene where Mary, Mary and Peter, they, they look at each other and, and Peter is very ashamed. He's right. got, I mean, he's just totally like weighed down with shame, but Mary looks at him with love. She's looking at him like his, his mother. She wants to comfort him. She wants to, to make him feel better. She wants to make sure, I, th- I think even in a, in kind of a cool way in that short scene, she wants to make sure that, that he has like learned the lesson that's right. there for him, but in this really like compassionate way. And, and, you know, Nikki is a, is a, you're a parent. Yeah. I was going to say, she's being a good mom. She's, she's, yeah, she's, she, she's being a good mom. There's, you were saying something about how, um, you know, Jesus comes to us as this baby and I, I, I don't have, I don't have kids, but I do work with teens and I, and I feel like I've gotten a glimpse, uh, as to what it feels like to be, to be protective or maybe mm-hmm. to go all out for your, your children. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's, um, it, it, 
you know, it's something that, that if you, Nikki, if you want to speak to, that would be great. But, uh, but I, 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 I do, I do feel like there's a, there's a huge lesson there. And that when we, when we encounter Jesus at Christmas, when we see this baby, we all of a sudden, like we become galvanized with this, this superpower that you're talking about. Like, Mm -hmm. like we're, we're immediately willing to kind of put ourselves out there. Um, you know, parents are, are immediately willing to kind of put themselves out there and to put everything that they, they have, everything they are on the line for the to, weakest thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's go into that a bit. No. Yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. Is, Without, is. and and I don't, I don't feel like there's a thought process. I feel like it's instinctual mm-hmm. um, to protect. And to also, I think the hard part comes when, um, when you need to lead and it's awkward and it's vulnerable and it causes you to be vulnerable with your kids mm-hmm. because there's that, you know, um, idea that sharing a weakness is, is, um, giving away power. Yeah. 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 So letting them know that I don't have all the answers, but I can lead you to mm-hmm. the one who does is, um, hard to do but also feels I mean I do feel like a superhero <laughs> I'm not gonna lie that's cool okay, yeah, that's cool. It's okay like you are even though they don't they don't always like me afterwards but praise yeah. God for that by the way yeah oh good thank you for saying that because it's a uh, pretty isolating to feel hated or not liked by your <laughs> progeny you know when, when truth when truth is is um is the highest truth is the highest form of love right so mm. um that if we sacrifice truth and then for love, it actually leads to destruction. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's something that I think is a very important distinction. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. And I, myself, in my, I have such a hunger for truth right now. Like there's something that I, I just cannot be, like I have so deep in me, have such a hunger for authenticity and truth and it's it's because there's just so many manipulations and lies yeah and so there is such a deep deep hunger for truth and sometimes we're not like the i'm not the sweetest person like i'm not super sweet like i don't that's not my gift is to be like oh let me massage you with sweetness but i will (laughs) but i will take the sword and i will cut off the lies and you know what you were talking prior to this how your favorite Uh, gospel passage right now is the woman at the well and I love that because it is so crazy when you read it it's so crazy why is it crazy because Jesus didn't Jesus said she he just told her her sins Mm -hmm. like he told her the truth he didn't say oh honey you're fine yeah you know just go ahead and come down here you know Mm -hmm. I understand you had a hard life so you can go ahead and have another guy in your life that's not your husband along with the other five husbands no he said this is your situation and the man you're with now is not your husband and and in the truth of that what because all of that was shame around her mm-hmm. so he spoke the truth to her and that's the crazy thing is like she runs into the town as the first carrier of the gospel and says to everyone he told me everything i've ever done mm-hmm. that is freedom my friends mm-hmm. because at the very bottom line of this is there's a part of us that says, like, if people knew who I really was, they would not love me. Mm-hmm. Like, if you knew yeah. who I was, you would not love me. And this is exactly why Jesus comes as a child. Mm-hmm. 
He comes as pure love, and he draws out the love of our hearts through his vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And his greatest desire, and it goes back to the gaze. So my absolute favorite quote is by Pope Benedict in Space Alve, and I don't, I won't be able to, you know, read it off perfectly. But it's the gaze of love as it pierces us and wounds us, enables us to become fully ourselves and fully of God. All that we are not gets burned up like straw. And in that gaze of love, which is the gaze of truth, who we really are becomes revealed. And it is painful. But it's also the freedom of like, he told me everything I've ever done. And once God himself has seen every, told you everything he's ever done, and then he's like, hey, and here's some water of life. Like, what do you have to hide from, right? Exactly, yeah. Like, it's yeah. like, woohoo! <laughs> There's like, so I much freedom. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Because it's like, absolutely. okay, what? There's this, there's this. No one can touch me. Exactly. There's this feeling, I think, in our, in our culture and, and maybe, maybe in culture from the beginning of time, right? Humanity from the beginning of time that, that, uh, the, the enemy of our happiness or our fulfillment is, is pain, is suffering. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it's, it's really not, it's, it's, uh, it's untruth, mm-hmm. right? Like that's mm-hmm. really kind of the enemy of, of who we are is untruth. When anytime you look back across history, Anytime that we start to, um, uh, you know, we start to really get away from what it means to be a human being, Mm -hmm. right? We start to really treat people, um, you know, objectify people or or that that kind of thing. You know, we, we can, we can become something extremely ugly. It's easy for us to be Mm -hmm. extremely ugly. Those, those same lessons can be applied to us as individuals. When we start to get away from uh, not only who are, are, or not only who Christ is or who our family is or who our neighbors are, but really who we are internally. When we start to deny that, that um, uh, it, one, and I think we see this a lot right now in culture, the, the confusion and the chaos that ensues um, and the disruption of our lives that ensues is, it just can't be ignored, right? There's all kinds of crazy stuff that just starts happening. And then two, um, when we start to take away that, that privilege of God, that unique privilege of God to reveal to us who we are, mm. we start to buy into all this other bogus stuff, right? That, that really, it really doesn't make any sense except to kind of foster this, this confusion, this state right. of, this state of confusion. And we, we think, you know, th- that's to me when I get, when I'm, when I'm behaving that way, yep. that's when I get really wrapped up in, I can't tell anyone. I can't, I can't go to confession because, yeah. because the priest is my boss and, right. or he works two offices over for me and I, I could never tell him that. Yeah. Or I can't confide in my friend Nikki about dot, 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 because she, you know, she's going to, she's going to judge right. me. Right. And, and, and it, it, it cuts us off from, from, communion. from communion, from humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there's a, um, uh, another, there's a Pope Benedict quote that I've shared before. That's, it's one of my favorites. And it's, um, each one of us is a, is a conscious thought of God. Each one of us is, is willed. Each one of us is necessary. It's, it's it's something like that. Um, I don't think that we, we get to that place. I don't think that Pope Benedict gets to that place. If, if we remain stuck in this idea that we're alone. No, I don't, I don't think that you can really appreciate that and really exist in a relationship with God. Like father Carl talked Mm -hmm. about, um, doing it alone 
we, we, we have to, to build this connection with others. We have to, to continue to try to see like in truth, like right. you're talking about to try to see through that, that very plain looking glass, right? right. Like this is, this is the clear truth of, of who I am. Right. I, I'm, and, and sometimes the truth is just as simple as like, I'm the beloved and God loves me. And that's the only truth that I can figure out for today. That's so good that's good it's good enough. So that's, yeah. and, and so that's kind of where I, I operate from. Right. I really love what you said, the unique privilege of God to tell us who we are, mm-hmm. um, because I definitely don't think we hear that enough. Um, wait, what? <laughs> you know, because you think about that, that's that's crazy what you just said. You know, like he, he is the one to tell us who we are, and that sounds very revolutionary, because uh, I get to be whoever I want, gosh. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's um, it just reminds me of Jesus saying to Peter, you know, who you know who do you say that I am and I think we can bring that question back to that like Lord who do you say that I am Lord who do you say that I am mm-hmm. and um, what a beautiful thing that that is the privilege of God hmm. to say who I am what a beautiful thing and I like what he says I forget yeah. mm-hmm. too often. sometimes I'm scared to be in the silence and too much mm-hmm. long enough to hear the answer sure Nikki, I have a I have a question for you. When we were talking earlier about you being a parent, um, mm-hmm. how did your how did your prayer life change when you became a parent? Ooh, um, I definitely turned inward more. Um, I would say leading up to parenthood, I was um, very communal praise and worship out loud, all that kind of stuff. And as I've had kids, there have been, um, well, you know, in the infancy stage, lots of um, nights up and just me and Jesus, which is, you know, built this beautiful relationship that um, wasn't not there, but changed and morphed into something a little bit different and closer. And um, as I've progressed, it's ooh, it's become more intense. Like I'm building in more time intentionally now and grabbing minutes in the day where I just need him. I feel like a kid myself who's reaching out for my my daddy right. to, to help me because I can't do this on my own. Right. There's definitely a solitude in motherhood mm-hmm. for sure. And well, I'm just thinking about how there's not part when we're like faced with our own helplessness than when you have children because um, they're really good at telling you your love is not enough. <laughs> Even if it's not true, you know, like mm-hmm. there's so uh, much that we do that's not enough sure. for, right. for them. Um, so there's so many lies coming at you mm-hmm. um, every single day. Like you, I mean, I just think about how many times mothers like they cook the most beautiful meal and like, and I, and then everyone's like, what's this? Like, you know, like I want chicken nuggets. <laughs> it's like, and it's like, so you you feel like you're trying to give the greatest gifts, and then it becomes like this attack on your identity constantly. Mm-hmm. And so I think for for parents. Um, especially parents of teenagers, but no, any parent actually, if you don't have that rooting in Christ, uh, wow, the winds and the waves, you know, um, how For painful. Sure. And, Lots of rejection. And, and, yeah. that, and, I, and I think that, that brings us back to what you're saying about, about Mary, is that there is something incredibly strong, I mean like, like action hero strong, in the, um, uh, in this, this unique sensibility that I think, I think women have, but I think parents in, in general, men and women can experience in, 
in and that when we when we give ourselves away when we when we kind of give ourselves up when we surrender to that vulnerability um, we we open these these lines of communication with God in ways that uh, that we we can't in any other way right like like vulnerability allows us to to experience Advent to experience right. Christmas in um, in these ways that are that are so profound and so unique because it it's we're, we're, we're not looking necessarily through our, our own eyes we're not looking mm-hmm. through um, this sort of these sort of rose-colored glasses right we're looking at our relationship with God and maybe what's going on in our lives uh, through you know from the perspective of like objective truth right. of, of just seeing things for what they are when you're a parent mm-hmm. I'm not a parent but when you're a parent in the middle of the night and your toddler you know won't go to sleep or you know it's just it, and you know you have to be up for work in however many hours or whatever like you have to pray from that truth. You can't pretend at that moment. Yeah. You yeah. can't pretend that everything's rosy when it's not, right? And it, because it's because it's not, right? That that seventy-year-old man that you talked about, like his, you know, sounds like what he got to in that moment was realizing I, I got to stop pretending. Yeah. I got I got to be I got to be real about this. Yeah. Yeah. I I really am struck right now by that. Um, just kind of that, I guess that realization of who you are when you're, you're like the, this parenthood, because I remember going, I was privileged to be with a friend for two births that she had, and, uh, and I remember going into the maternity ward, and there was like a first time father, and, and the babies are so tiny, and there's this, um, this really beautiful thing when I was watching this man, he was like, first time he's held up, and he just feels so I could just feel like he felt so helpless, like, mm. I, I can't touch this thing, it's gonna break, yeah. you know? And it's the fragility, um, the fragility of life brings forth the strength of the heart, mm. right? Mm. So sometimes we're afraid of that fragility of life, so then we harden our heart, because we're afraid, it makes us feel helpless, we don't wanna feel hopeless, so then I'm like, oh, it's nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is like, the, it's not true, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so there's something about the fact that it's a baby uh, that, that that is first given to us as this great you know Old Testament cry for rend the heavens and come down it's a baby and it's the fragility of God that brings forth like this strength of my heart mm-hmm. and um, there's nobody stronger than a mother who can watch her son suffer and not save him mm-hmm. wow. um, that there none of the men except for John could be there mm-hmm. at the cross and I, I have really a thought that the reason why John could be at the cross is because he lay his head at the heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's what allowed him to embrace that vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was such a sissy. No, but because like, what does Peter, what does Peter want to do? He wants to like cut off ears, right? And yeah. John, like how many of you have been, especially any parent will know this, that you watch your children suffer and you cannot take it away. Mm-hmm. And I just am so overwhelmed sometimes when I think about Mary, like not only could she not save him, but she was called to love every single one of us who ran away, who pretended we didn't know her son, who spit on him as he was carrying the cross, and she was there. And I have been reflecting for years on the gaze between Jesus and Mary on the way to the cross. It's kind of, I try to rest there in between that place. and I have felt I had like spiritually kind of a season where I felt like it's like Jesus like was missing the eyes of Mary on the way to the cross and just think about the pain of that Mm -hmm. like Jesus needed to see the eyes of his mother 
on the way to the cross. And it's a completion of seeing his eyes in the crib. And Jesus needed to see in his mother those that gaze. If he had no if he had no Mary to look at, it's like somehow she was the anchor for this act of total self-giving. Mm-hmm. And and that look was so much suffering. Like it's easier not to look at. You know, you, like every like, romance story, like don't want to look at the person. They're gonna say, okay, I'm just not gonna walk away. I'm not gonna look at you. No, but it's like standing in the tension of that greatest pain. That's where the church is born. And for me, my mission is to pray for and revive, like the eyes of Mary in the church, that the restoration of the motherhood of the church. And I really believe that God is calling forth, we're entering into really a season, not just the Advent season, but a season in the church of Mary and the Holy Spirit. Like this kind of deep feminine nobility that brings forth the nobility of man that is the eyes for a man to say, yes, you can go to this cross. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, go, son. There's that that image that we always come to uh, during Lent, um, particularly in the Stations of the Cross, right? And it's, um, as you're you're talking, I'm I'm thinking about that scene in the Stations of the Cross and and those those prayers, which are are great, those traditional prayers that we read uh, on Fridays before, you know, we eat fish, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there's, uh, there's always, you know, when we get to that station, you know, uh, Jesus meets his mother. Um, there, I, I think there's always maybe this feeling that uh, Jesus is, is consoling Mary. And, and Jesus is the consoler. He's the ultimate consoler, right? So I, I know that, that that's part of what's going on. I've always kind of wondered, though, like, you know, that's his mommy, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's like in, in this very intimate and, and very um, uh, unique way that goes all the way back to, you know, goes back to, the, to his time in the womb, but certainly goes all the way back to uh, his birth in a manger, right? That that he's he's not, I mean, it, immediately when he's born, um, you know, Mary is, is preparing him for something and, and, and is, is kind of his... Uh, you know, we call Mary the, the, the mediatrix of grace, mm-hmm. right? She is, she is, is giving him grace uh, in the sense of raising him, right. you know, as, as much as any other child, right? right? And so, so Jesus is looking to his mother on the way to the cross out of a sense of, of, of wanting this relief, of mm-hmm. wanting this, this consolation from her, of wanting to know that that, that she's there and that she loves him and that, that everything's going to be okay, right? right? And and Christ, as a man, as a human being, you know, he 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 suffered in the Garden of Gethsemane. He, he looked up and said, this is really, really going to be tough and I'm scared and I don't, God, if you can do anything, if we can do something different, I'd really like to do something different here, right? And, and you know, as a divine person, he, he said yes mm-hmm. and he took the cup and all that stuff, but... But there is this real um, humanity that comes out in in this interaction with Mary, where where I think he's um, he's he's not he's not uh, he's not saying no to his cross, but he is re- he is recognizing the truth that his cross is really painful, yeah. and that the suffering is really tough, and that he needs his mother to reassure him. He needs his mother to to just love on him a little bit to kind of get him to where he needs to go. And, and that's, that's a, that's a thing that I think we, we don't want to, um, uh, I, I'm speaking as a man, we don't necessarily always want to recognize 
Um, we, we, you know, most, most, you know, you, you'll hear men talk about their mothers and they'll talk about how wonderful their, their mom was. Right. And, um, but I think we don't, even when we say that kind of stuff, we don't necessarily always want to give mom or even just the women in our lives, even just the, even the motherhood of the church. We don't want to give that credit and say, I, it's not that that's just a, a pleasant thing for me or that that's not, you know, that's not, um, not just a, a good thing for me. That's something that I desperately need. It's necessary. Right. It's totally necessary for me to be, for me to be holy, for me to be who God's calling me to be. I have to have this, this, um, the gaze of Mary, the gaze of Mary. Yeah. And, uh, I guess because I've had this privilege of walking with families and mothers when they have lost a child, um, the mystery of the Mary mediatrics and co-redemption. So I have seen in, in the, in like the actual experience of a mother losing her child, I have seen this look and I've seen it and it, it opened up the mystery of the faith to me because it made me realize like Mary had to offer Jesus at the cross. Mary offered Jesus, Jesus offered himself and the father offered Jesus. Mary, one with the Holy Spirit, offered Jesus. Because there are three yeses. This is a Trinitarian yes that's happening mm-hmm. there. And so Jesus is offering himself, but Mary is offering him mm-hmm. in union with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And the Father is offering him. Three yeses equals wow. fruitfulness. And this, this is a, a rule of creation. It's a rule of like life. So three yeses equals fruitfulness in the marriage act that brings forth life it's three yeses contraception is a no to that love to the vulnerability of the love mm-hmm. and there's something i when i'm working with people with grief if they have said no like until the mother releases and says yes the fruitfulness of even that death doesn't make sense mm-hmm. as crazy as that sounds people get stuck in grief mm-hmm. it could be your dad your brother your whoever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is this, it's very much, that's in the mass. It's we receive that person fully, we've accepted them, and we offer. So it's receiving, accepting, offering. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't want to grieve, we don't want to be in pain, so we try to shortcut the process, but you can't. Yeah. And this is fruitfulness. Mm-hmm. So we see this for, for Mary, like she, her, she absolutely was bringing comfort to Jesus. Like I like really put yourself in the shoes of Jesus going to the cross and you cannot find the eyes of your mother. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not happening. It's, yeah. it's like when you live through someone, something, if you don't have somebody to receive what you've lived, it's almost like you haven't fully lived it. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it mm-hmm. feels like you're, you're, um, so, so I went, I went through a, a, um, I had to process some, some grief, right. And, and went through uh, an experience with, um, someone in my family that was, is very close to me. And I had to kind of get over, um, uh, something that I perceived that they did and, and it won't go into any details, but it was, it was tough. It was really, really tough. And, and there's a, a great book. I don't remember who it's by. I know he, um, is a professor at the University of Steubenville, but I don't remember his name, but we'll find it. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, but it's called Still Point. The, the book is called Still Point. And it, he talks about how the, the still point in your grief, that final moment in your grief is when you are willing to, to 
almost sort of quasi participate right in what happened exactly that's giving you this grief right and 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 i think uh, yeah just kind of saying you know this 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 grief is not something that i'm going to to carry around anymore right it's not something that i'm going to allow to to kind of weigh me down so i'm the only other thing that i can do with it is offer it up and the only way that i can offer it up is to say yes to it yeah that's it that's it and because you know, usually something that we're grieving is something that's happened in the past. Right. Right. So all we can do is kind of reconcile ourselves to, to what's happening and accept it as the will of God. And when we, again, you know, God, God likes to, he, he likes to have that privilege of, of telling us who we are. And he does that, I think through his will. Mm-hmm. And so when we, when we finally say yes to that will, right. When we finally say yes to you know, God, you're, you're the one moving here. You're the one in charge here. You're the, you're the one that saw Jesus on the cross as a way for the rest of us to get back to you. It's a mystery, yeah. right? It's, it's this, it's this dark and, and crazy and murky mystery, right? But it's the will of God. And so I, I, I think, you know, maybe, and, and maybe that's a, maybe that's a good place for us to kind of a good little, little ending thought here is, is as we approach God um, at, at Advent, as, as we approach uh, hopefully a deeper relationship with him, maybe as we allow him to approach us. Yeah, that's t- what I was thinking about, about when you were talking about Advent before, like preparing the way for him. And I thought he's already here. Yeah, yeah. We're, we yeah. need to prepare our own. Like it's not even preparing the way for him. Mm-hmm. It's getting out of the way. It's getting out of the way. Exactly, exactly. So um, your your imagery of 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 St. St. John, you know, resting on the, on the, uh, on the heart of Jesus at the last supper. I think a lot of men have an issue with that. I think a lot of men look at that and go, what? Yeah. Like, but to think St. John and Jesus were, were, they were embracing, mm-hmm. they were physically like, they were snuggling for lack of a better word. Right. Yeah, that people are just going to spit on the ground right now. I, I mean, I'm going to take you back to the shed and I'm going to beat you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> But to, but it but it really but it but it really and um, Father Wade who we've talked about before he he would bring that up all the time that they were they were snuggling they were having this intimate moment and there wasn't necessarily anything um, uh, anything to be really scared of yeah I think we I want to say that it's we don't need to sexualize yeah and I am it's a problem in our culture right now mm-hmm. is like I'm, we're not going to say that but we both all know what we're talking about like that right away we tend to sexualize any vulnerability between men or like right now. And that's actually part of a diabolical plan yeah. to take away the deep friendship and vulnerability mm. that's necessary problem. It's a for huge growth. problem. Absolutely. Wow. A- absolutely. Even and beautifully. Said. I just come against it right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, so, so, so maybe this Advent and we've been asking, we asked Father Carl last week, you know, to, to, to maybe give our listeners a tip. Uh, we have covered a, a lot of ground today, mountain, which is cool, which is cool, which is cool. Um, but, but maybe, maybe, okay. So we're, we're, we're talking, you know, we, we want to be able to look into Jesus's eyes. We want to be able to look into Mary's eyes into maybe in, even into the heart of the church, right? How do we, how do we do that at Advent? And especially for those that, that maybe their relationship with the church is, is, is just, or their relationship with God is just kind of a small seed right mm-hmm. now they're in they're in a very it's a very new thing or something you know where they're they're coming back to the church you know and we're mm-hmm. kind of thinking baby deer we don't want to scare anybody away right? right um how do we what are what's what's something that that our listeners can do uh that's that's going to be um a nice uh kind of simple step but maybe a step that draws them in a little bit into that vulnerable place with 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 god so i would say that 
if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I kind of want to engage, but I need something really practical, take five minutes. And however that looks for you, if you're outside, you're looking at a fire, or you are a journaler, journal, maybe you're not a journal, maybe you're driving your car to work, five minutes, you set the, set the time. Set the time and say, for these five minutes, ask this question. Where do I need a savior? Hmm. Where do I need a savior? And don't think, what do I have done wrong and I can't be loved and da 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 da. Because that's exactly where we often go when we don't have maybe a strong relationship with God. Where do I need a savior? And just take that, whatever it is, and let that be the straw bed hmm. that welcomes Jesus. Hmm. Maybe you don't want to put it down. You're like, Daddy, what's this? Or Mommy, like, what did you write on this paper? That seemed like fresh. <laughs> oh, honey, just put that back. No but, uh, no, but whatever that looks like for you, like make that, that place is the place. Very practical. I I would hope if somebody says, I don't need a savior, then we might be, you know, have a problem. But like very specific, where do I need a savior? Mm-hmm. We all do. If you're, if you're out there. My bank account needs a savior. If, you know, yeah. Like, yeah, ain't that the truth? The if you're if you're out there and that's you think shame. you don't need a savior, um, that person just doesn't exist. You, like you like 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 that perfect person out in the world, like perfect of their own volition, they don't exist. Right. And 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 that's fundamental across all cultures and religions and whoever is that is that we're all imperfect. That's why we have a self help section, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so if we so if we're gonna if we're gonna um, so just just don't go down that road of of not Where needing a savior. Where do I need a savior? Yeah. And I think five minutes is a totally reasonable amount of time. I know. I, yeah, I need awesome. more time. <laughs> <laughs> you might have more time, but I think that if you just, I think that that's the invitation. If you do that, you will not be the same. Sure. Mm. Sure. It will that's change great. your life. Awesome. Thank you so much, wow. Esther. Because we have a savior. We do. Oops. We have a savior. <laughs> I gave away an ending. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Shoot. She got, she got all, all the way to episode 10. Darn it. On Netflix. Oh that's right. <laughs> That was awesome, um, Esther. Thank you so much. Thank you for this uh, this opportunity. We've been we asked our guest uh, last week to pray us out. Would sure. you mind praying us out and sure. praying for like, our, well, for our listeners as well? Right out, like all the way out. Okay, cool. So, <laughs> till the, the end of time, it's gonna be the longest <laughs> podcast ever. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, thank you so much for just even today allowing me to see your burning heart for your men. I, I just, Lord, I thank you, Lord, and I send out the Holy Spirit to call forth any person who is called to, to hear an invitation from you, any man right now who, any person actually that is feeling despair, feeling they can't go on, Jesus, I know your heart is there for them and it's burning with so much love. And this effort of speaking of you, of bringing people to speak of you, is is only so your heart, the fire of your heart, can reach the most forgotten, the most alone, maybe the most filled with shame. We put your heart, your burning heart, in the gentle hands of your mother, who's so tender, And we pray for each person that this Advent, that this time of waiting, 
is a place where they know that when they place their need, when they bring forth in their hearts the cry for a savior, that you do not leave us where we are, that you come to us, that it has been your desire before time began to come to us in the places of need. Thank you that you are here, that you are God with us, Emmanuel, and that you are always with us. And today, Lord, for whoever is listening to this, if they're in a place where they need to see you, they need to know you tangibly love them, Lord, I ask that you pour out a very individual touch of love that is for them. It's for them, your gaze, or the gaze of your mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst men, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Jesus, I trust in you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank Drinks? you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Cigarette or something like that. Right? <laughs> I, I have not. It feels like. It, I'm definitely still recording. That's awesome. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> this is his tricky trick. I know. Thank you so much. Peace, everyone. Bye. The Late to Church Podcast is an AMET Creative production and is hosted by James Longoria and Nikki Moncada. Our theme music is Candle in the Shadows by The Poor Kings. Check them out on Spotify or wherever you download music. Incidental music is by Punch Deck. Find us on Instagram at Late to Church Podcast and let us know your questions, comments, and thoughts by contacting Late to Church Podcast at gmail.com. Your insights might even be featured on the show. Just a little reminder. You are good. You are worthy. You are the beloved. Look around for the Lord today. He loves you and he wants an encounter with you. Thank you for journeying with us. We're praying for you. Peace.